Welcome to Choices, the podcast that allows you to simply be. I'm Vidya Bellor and my job is to help you think about things a little bit differently, to help you cope with those challenges in life that may be affecting your happiness or performance and hopefully provide you with some clarity in your decision making. Today I will be talking about social media. How much do we allow it to impact our lives? Is it for better or for worse? Is it just another habit that we've adopted to fill our day to distraction? Or are all these platforms, when used responsibly, a great tool for enhanced communication and interaction? So I'm going to paint a picture now. You grab your phone, check Instagram posts, Facebook newsfeed, Twitter feed, um, then you decide, yeah, I better check my email. Back to Facebook because you've got a notification. You see an ad for something that really piques your interest. And you know what? You just got to have it. So you click and you buy. Then you go back to Facebook because you see this funny photo of a dog and it's, it's so funny. And you've just got to share it on Facebook there and then. And it's actually so, so funny that the world needs to see it. And you're going to be the one to deliver it to them. So you tweet it out and you scroll and you get absorbed with something that's currently trending. Um, People are now beginning to see that dog post. So they send comments through on your dog tweet. You reply to them one by one. And then suddenly you see a tweet from a friend about, you know, how productive that they're, they're being in their day today. And you decide that now Now is the perfect time to get your business hat on and get really serious now. So you sit at your laptop and you log on to LinkedIn uh, just to catch up on the world of work and what your connections are up to at the moment. Then you look at what you need to get done today and you know what? You literally do all of that all over again because you just can't face what you've really got to do. But this time, you're going to do the whole jazz with a cat video that has you howling with laughter and you've just got to share. Does this sound familiar? Because today I'm talking about social media and how much it's impacted our lives, for better or for worse. Thinking about Facebook, which we associate with that mass social media, you know, I remember a time when it was this place that people posted about the most amazing things that they'd done, places they'd been, people they'd hung out with. It was a little bit fake book, a representation of what your life, you'd really like it to be like. People were beginning to understand that in this virtual world, you could carve out an alternative to the reality that you were actually experiencing. And because of that, Did it make us far more judgmental in a different way? Did we start to judge ourselves more harshly? So if we wanted to share a lovely picture of us experiencing a genuinely great time, did we decide to not post that because as we were laughing, you know, our double chin was showing and the light wasn't good, our side profile wasn't the best? Or did we decide not to post genuinely because... Our memories of that moment are private and in our experience, unique to us. And it, it, it's something that just doesn't need to be shared. Did we choose to post some pictures to show everyone that, 
you know, we've been on holiday and we could afford to do this? Or did we choose not to post these pictures because some of our friends wouldn't appreciate the fact that we were better off in our lives than them? I hope you can see what I'm inviting you to think about. How much social media can play with the mind? We get into the space of comparisons and concern ourselves with others and what they're doing. It's breeding ground for the fodder that will feed your negative self-talk. So for example, say, say you carry around the erroneous beliefs. You, you may have heard some people term them as limiting beliefs. The ones like, you know, I'm not good enough or I'm a failure. My life's hard. I stuff everything up. Say you're in that kind of space and then you go on social media when, when you are not in that, the best of headspaces. You'll be looking out to confirm what you think you know to believe to be the truth. And I'm going to say that again really slowly this time. You'll be looking out to confirm what you think you know to believe to be the truth. Why? So you can pat yourself on the back, give yourself a high five for confirming that you are right. Nothing satisfies us more than knowing, but the knowing isn't inspiring and motivating in this case. In fact, it's really unhelpful. It's energy zapping and really draining. So we get into the complexities of the mind and behaviours when it comes to social media. And when people talk of social media impacts to mental health, this is the stuff. It can create and exacerbate complexes that we just don't need to have as we go about life day to day. So it's no wonder that in our young, we're seeing greater numbers suffering with issues around their mental health as they engage with social media. Those steps taken to remove the numbers around things like likes and loves of posts is just one step in a better direction. But the sad of it is that so many use it to validate their self-worth and their self-expression. And if you've ever watched The Social Dilemma on Netflix, you're aware of the racket that exists. What we are being exposed to isn't a shared reality It's a gathering of intelligence on how we personally use it. And as a result, it's feeding us more of what it perceives that we as individuals want. So in that way, social media can just be really highly addictive because it feels alluring and is literally talking to us. And it works those neural pathways of reward and that feedback loop time over. The best quote in that whole film is this from Edward Tufty. There are only two industries that call their customers users, illegal drugs and software. And this is not saying that social media is bad because in more recent years, we have definitely seen a shift towards more real posting and engagement about human existence. But then again... I don't know if that's because I search out that kind of real stuff, that it exposes me to more of that. You see, it gets a little bit twisted. So people 
Uh, I, I genuinely do think, though, people are happier to post the realities of their life, you know, like those parenting mishaps and untidy rooms that, you know, we can all relate to. The question is whether that experience is actually really shared. Going back to episode four of Choices, when I was talking about creating an illusion, I'm hoping that what I see as a shift towards more real and honest posting is what others might see too, which can be used for great benefits socially with support groups, helpful and inspiring posts, information and a way for people to access resources. In fact, I use my own feeds for this purpose. It allows me to reach people, or so I think, (laughs) that may benefit from something I have to offer. And in this lifetime, you know, that's my purpose to help and support my fellow human beings. So social media, when used as responsibly as you can, has really effective uses, whether totally in our hands or not. But one thing I wanted to add as I thought about those inspiring and motivational posts that might pop up on your feeds You know the ones like, yeah, you've got this, or yes, you can, believe in yourself, be grateful, positive vibes. They're a bit like wolves dressed in sheep clothing. They're this kind of toxic positivity. There's an overgeneralization that a happy glass half full optimism rammed down our throats serves us really well because the more we read this stuff we'll feel it but I'm here to be the voice of balance and go so far as to say that these kind of messages whilst aiming to be the good cheer that we may on one hand appreciate in delicate times like right now at the moment when lots of us are challenged in our human experience these positive posts minimize they negate and in fact invalidate much of our emotional experience we can feel frustrated shamed and disregard the depths of our experience silenced actually because we may be considered a drain because we're not being outwardly positive I just wanted to say at this point that it's okay to feel whatever you're feeling. Social media for good or for not so good will be sticking around. The choice of whether to partake in that is totally yours. If you find yourself overdoing it, overusing it, being on it all the time, remember it's a virtual world of connecting. What or who are you not wanting to connect with in your actual reality. So today I thought it would be really helpful to talk to a few guests who work in the realms of social media but have themselves taken a break from it all and returned. I do need to put out this ironic caveat that our special guests today were sourced by the powers of social media. (laughs) The irony. Kate Morgan is an escapee from the corporate world 
who now works with various B2B health and wellness, food and fashion brands to help founders to tell their story in a way that is engaging and imperative. She works on a broad range of projects from social media marketing, brand building and storytelling to regular blogs and brand brainstorming sessions. Weaving your words to create a story that resonates with your audience is her passion. Emily Davies is owner of Empower Media. Emily has more than 15 years experience in broadcast, journalism and digital content marketing and delivers bespoke digital media marketing, copywriting and PR to small businesses. As a yoga teacher, well-being coach and cognitive behavioural therapist, Emily is passionate about teaching her clients how to use social media to help them work towards their goals and not as a distraction away from them. Emily is also in the process of establishing a new business, Empower Digital Wellbeing, promoting digital wellness in a digitally disrupted world to kids, teenagers and parents so that they can build healthy habits online and stay present and connected offline. Welcome Kate, welcome Emily, good to have you here. Thank you, it's good to be here. Hi Vidya, lovely to see you. Hi, good. Kate, let's come to you first. What's your current relationship with social media? Oh, I think I have a slightly tricky relationship with social media, obviously because I work in social media, but also I have a teenage son who's very, very into social media. And I found certainly during the pandemic that it's been a way for me to keep in touch with people and see what people Mm. are up to and sort of have a greater breadth necessarily of experience than I have just sitting at my desk or being at home every day. So it's a tricky relationship. um, And I would say that it's probably one that I know needs work. (laughs) How about you, Emily? I would probably say that I have a toxic relationship with social media. Mm. Um, So like you, Kate, I also work in social media. And I've found kind of where I did love it, I'm recently kind of, or recently, I say within the last few years, discovering kind of uh, feelings of hatred towards it, to be honest. But I kind of, I can't let go of it. And there's um, there's a phrase that I heard once by a writer, it's called Johan Hari, and he's done a lot of work on addiction and things like that. And he kind of called social media psychological oxygen. And I wanted to say that in relationship to kind of my relationship, because that's like when you think if you're in an airplane and the oxygen mask falls down and you have to have the oxygen, right? Mm. I like that with social yeah. media, but I don't need social media to live. I do need oxygen. So that's yeah. so that's why I would say I, I kind of feel I have a, a toxic relationship with it, to be honest. Yeah. As I was discussing earlier, it's quite an addictive thing you you find yourself going down these rabbit holes when actually you don't necessarily want to for sure I mean you can be refreshing and refreshing once you've posted a story or a grid post and you want to see how many people like it and you're Mm. desperate for people to comment on it Um, you know I have some clients that get terribly upset if they don't get rapid engagement from things and you have to sort of try and temper that with remembering that your content certainly if you're in a business, is meant to be enriching people, not mm. making people feel uncomfortable or like they have to create some sort of thing to come back to. You know, you don't want them to have to feel like they've got to click on you and they've got to keep looking. But I think it's um, a very, I agree with Emily, it's a very toxic environment sometimes when that's that constant need to have likes, to get more people wanting to see you out there, to see what you're doing. 
Yeah, it's that valid validation that people are looking for and it's an erroneous place to look for it really. Yeah. 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 So Emily, how has that relationship then would you say changed over time? Basically, so I remember when in 2003, I got my uh, Facebook account. And at the time then, it was only university students that were allowed to be on Facebook. So you could only join if you had a university email. Mm. So it was like being part of an exclusive club, right? So, you know, kind of you're on it and it was fun. It was a way to kind of like share your life. You know, people uh, back in Birmingham could see what I was doing at uni in Manchester, Um, and I was, you know, kind of sharing photographs and whatever, you know, they invented things like the poke button. So we'd have fun, like in my uni house, like poking people downstairs saying, go on, put the kettle on. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was, it was crazy. It was fun. It was so much fun. And I loved it. I absolutely, you know, just loved it. I saw it as a way of communicating and connecting and staying in touch, which was what it was and what it still is. But obviously every business needs to be funded. Uh, And now kind of these platforms obviously are so big that they're, you know, they're funded in a different way. They're funded by adverts. So it means that the dimension and their kind of like sales funnel makes it different, Mm. which means that their main kind of goal is to get us as addictive as we can. So I definitely think I kind of like went from that to then working in social media for me it was a creative platform I love the creativity I love creating things I love the fact that I can edit a video and it could be on the internet and you know like loads of people could see it I could say look mom you know look I've done this and you know very much kind of the creative aspects and I think thirdly kind of one of the things I loved about it was it was a platform for me to be the person I always wanted to be mm-hmm. so I was always very shy I was you know kind of like Katie's little sister or Gordon's daughter I was always you know do you know what I mean I was never like Emily it was when Instagram kind of arrived that then I started kind of I guess promoting myself as a person and all of a sudden I was doing all these different things and I was being able to speak my mind and share it with people and they were being inspired by you know kind of my honesty and and it was just like wow and I think kind of that was my transition of loving it and then probably I would say like around three years ago it got to the point where I was like this doesn't feel good anymore and I and I started questioning whether I was actually doing this to help other people or to just help myself and I think that's the dynamic with these platforms because you can kind of believe that you're kind of putting so much out there to help people when actually what you're doing is actually just kind of like stroking your own ego and kind of creating a a self-importance that maybe probably wasn't doesn't need to be there Mm. yeah yeah how about you Kate Um, I think for me you know obviously I'm a little bit older than Emily but I um, started out with websites early on sort of pre-social media and I think it was just seeing that that steady progression from work being eight hours a day to work being 24-7. I mean, I, I recall when I left the corporate world leaving because I just couldn't cope with the endless 24 hours a day. You know, social platforms by that point were up and coming and very, very busy. And website had become extremely busy. People were shopping 24 hours a day. My inbox was busy 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I just found it totally overwhelming at one point. And that was when I thought, actually, do you know, I've got to take a massive step back from this. We moved house to another place. I had another baby. And I took a couple of years out of it. And to be honest, I even removed myself from Facebook. I took myself off everything completely. And I found that a really cleansing experience yeah. in some ways. And I quite liked it when people said to me, oh, aren't you on Facebook? Can't I tag you? And I thought, no. I'm not. Um, you have to talk to me like 
an actual person. I'm not going to, I don't want a snippet of your time. I want your time. And I think when I then went into social media, it was very much with the hope that I could add enrichment to what the information I was giving to people. So working with brands who perhaps before had had very one-dimensional experiences online um, and just trying to make it that you're giving people something. You're not you're giving them something tangible. You're not just saying, I have to post today, so here's something you have to read. Mm. Um, and obviously that doesn't work every time. Um, and I do agree that it is a difficult place to necessarily see the human side of people because people tend to show you what they want mm. rather than the real side. So yeah, I think it's been a long relationship that I'm happy in, but that I know needs to it needs constant work. I need to constantly review why I'm why I'm there. That's interesting. I'm not happy in my relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Can I help you, Emily? Let's talk this through. Let's do let's do some work around that. <laughs> you know, I just feel like it would be I'd rather be off it, but I can't because of my job. I have to stay yeah. on it. But I'd rather just not be on it, in all honesty. But my job is digital marketing. And I also, you know, in that I have to market my business. So not only do I market other people's businesses, I've got to market my business. I'm also a yoga teacher, so I have to market that business as well. So it's like I can't not be on there. I'm a small business owner. Do you know what I mean? And it's tricky, isn't it? Because all of those older channels are so much more difficult to use now. You know, mm. we don't we don't just go and flyer drop people and suddenly you've got a business. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really hard because there isn't another way really for most of us doing it. Certainly during the current climate, there's not another way to get yourself out there, really. Yeah, even I, I, I find that on a personal level is that I'm engaging with social media because I, I'm running a business. And mm. if I if I wasn't doing that, would I be on it so much? I don't know. Maybe I'd be just sucked in like so many others just to distract <laughs> myself. You know, we're half term, children are around and there are times where they're, they're busy doing their thing. And also, oh, oh, I'll just have a look at my phone. And it's so easy to do to do that, isn't it? It's a complete rabbit hole, isn't yeah. it? You start and find yourself there still half an hour later thinking, what have I actually done? What have I done with that time? What have I missed? Mm. And what have I done? And those are always my two questions to myself and why I try and make my I have specific times of the day when I'll let myself scroll or I'll let myself go and look at things. And I try to be really disciplined. I actually set an alarm. Ah, that's what I was going to ask you. I was saying, do you have rules around your social media usage? Massively okay. strict rules. So I will be on for 20 minutes first thing in the morning. Uh, for work, then 10 minutes for me, probably another 20 minutes at lunchtime, and then another 10 minutes for me. And I do the same again at about five o'clock. And then that's it. Apart from if I get massively loads of notifications, or if I'm in the middle of a big campaign, I will jump on. But the rest of the time, I do try to just stick to that. And I find that if I don't, I am as guilty as everybody else of sitting and scrolling for a whole evening. I actually turn my phone off mainly at about six o'clock now because I just think otherwise I won't I won't disconnect. I do think it's important to be disciplined about that. If you're not, you will just find that those evenings disappear. I've lost so many evenings with my husband where I haven't spoken to him because I've just sat there scrolling through things and I've gained nothing by the end of it. 
Mm. which is the really disappointing bit. That resonates with me. I have to be disciplined with how I use it. How about you, Emily? So managing your toxic relationship, are you able to manage it a bit? Yeah, I mean, I have to say, well, I describe it as toxic because it is like that. So it goes up and down. So there's moments where I'm kind of good to myself and there's moments where I'm not. And I had... um, kind of uh again a feeling that I've been feeling for a few years but I think it was was at the end of last year yeah I think it was around September October I was like right that's it boom I'm taking myself off social media as much as I possibly can and that was kind of my first cold turkey moment and I mean to that point it meant for me because of the job that I do Mm -hmm. deleting my Facebook Mm -hmm. app and only accessing Facebook on a desktop. I deleted my Twitter account completely. I was like, I don't really use it. So it doesn't really matter. I only use it for other companies. And that, again, could just go to desktop. Instagram is the tricky one because you can only do it really from your phone, you know, if you're posting kind of constantly. But I put it in a folder and moved it onto a separate screen. And I did for two weeks. It was really Mm. good. I reduced my screen time from seven hours a day to two. That's brilliant. Yeah, I was really proud of (laughs) Um, and again, I had rules and funnily opposite to you, my rule was don't check my phone before eight o'clock in the morning. Um, and don't check my phone after eight o'clock at night. So they're kind of my golden times. It was like, do not touch it. But I used to smoke, right? So when, and years and years ago, like 11 years ago, when I quit smoking, I had to change habits that I associated with cigarettes. Mm. So every time I had a pint, because I love beer, every time I was drinking a pint, I wanted a cigarette. So I had to stop drinking beer and start drinking gin. Wasn't a loss. I still drink bass now, you know. <laughs> it's a very good compromise to make. <laughs> exactly. exactly. It's all about habit change. Sorry. It's all about habit replacement. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so I again, I did that with my social media. Mm. So in the morning, instead, it's, it's going to sound really wacky now, but in the morning, instead of going on my phone, what I would do is I'd go downstairs. I'd make myself a hot lemon, and I'd stand outside on the grass, barefooted, mm. um, as a way of grounding. Grounding is and in replacement going to bed, I started up like a, a skincare routine. So I would like exfoliate and I would like, you know, do nail care and th- do you know what I mean? things that mm. I just didn't do before mm. because it was like I had to replace time. Do you know what I mean? Like, you it's do, like you have to, I had to replace my time with something else to know it was beneficial for me to be off mm. social media. You have to exchange something that feels beneficial. You can't just quit a habit. You have to replace yeah. it with something that feels nurturing and caring for yourself otherwise yeah. you're not invested in doing it yeah totally yeah so, yeah, but so it goes up and down for me because yeah. I said my screen time is I got it down to two hours then I found actually I was missing things I wasn't doing my job properly so the Facebook app went back on my phone you know I tried different ways to make myself so there's no I have no content on my Facebook profile whatsoever no pictures so then there's no temptation to post Mm. Um, but Instagram is the worst for me and again because I have some clients where I just run their Instagram I've got one client that's in Dubai so the time zone is even worse do you know what I mean mm. because it means that's really tricky isn't it yeah and I've that's got a what couple I in Australia hard. and I find that really really hard when I'm yeah. sort of then expecting to be doing stuff midnight kind of stuff exactly because you're totally out of the time zone so you yeah. feel like guilty that you're not doing your job properly and you know if I'm doing stuff like at six o'clock in the evening here they're already in bed in Dubai so it's a waste of time so at six o'clock in the morning I'm thinking oh I should really be you know so that's again it is tricky it just depends and if you're self-employed the clients obviously change so your pattern changes based on (laughs) kind of what work you've got on yeah that sounds really tough actually because where do you draw the line and where do you switch off yeah I don't (laughs) 
Okay, so you know those two weeks that you did experience then, Emily. So you said about you were missing out on things. Is that is that what brought you back? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, when I say I was missing out on things, so like, uh, for example, Chris, because my business is kind of relatively local, if someone on the local residence Facebook page says anyone know a marketing expert, someone would tag me, um, like my profile, and then like... If I, well, it's customer service. Good customer service is to respond within 24 hours. So if I deleted the app off my phone on a weekend and I didn't reply until Monday, other people would have already got there and people wouldn't be interested in me. They'd be thinking she's not very good at social media, is she? If she takes 48 mm. hours to reply. You know, you are you are judged for your job. You are judged for your, this is, this is my job. It's my profession to run social media accounts. So I can't take 48 hours to respond to someone mm. that, that's going to get me in. A, do you know what I mean? So that was one of the reasons in fact that was the main reason because I was just I was missing uh, I was missing you know people recommending me for work and it just doesn't it doesn't look good but again when I had to put it back on I had to swap and change again how I was you know moving with things I think within those two weeks I could tell you how I felt in that first at least the first four days I spent four days probably in tears like floods of tears I felt lonely and anxious depressed you know I kept Again, like cigarettes, it's a habit, isn't it? You know, you hold something in your hand. And I kept going for my phone, you know, mm. just kept wanting to hold it. It's like it's a security blanket. Yeah, I mean, I think leaving a leaving a difficult relationship is the same, isn't it? No matter what that relationship is, it's always really hard. It's not, not an easy thing to do. No. And and how about you, Kate? Have you have you ever abstained like that? I know you said when you it was all a bit twenty four seven, and you said enough. Um, I have. I went away. Uh, it was about. Um, Oh, it was nearly a year and a half ago, two, no, two years ago, probably. I went away on holiday um, uh, with my family and my father came over from Australia and I don't see him very often, um, probably every couple of years. And my youngest son had been diagnosed with a heart problem at the time. And we were away in a beautiful house, in a beautiful place, having a really, really lovely time. And then something went wrong. An Instagram account disappeared from a the client. They had been hacked and I spent three days probably constantly on my phone trying to sort that out my son then had um, a heart issue and we ended up in A&E and I got home from that and I will admit that I like Emily then just I broke down into tears and I just said I'm turning the damn thing off I don't need to speak to anybody there's a landline here I sent everybody that I wanted to speak to the landline and I completely switched off for the rest of that holiday and then when we got home, I set some very strict rules for myself and for clients as well mm. for communication times around WhatsApp and around emails and when I would respond. Um, and I think it just gave me a massive wake up call that actually I was spending a huge amount of time on something that is very, very, very important when you're using it the right way, mm. which probably for us both is when you're using it for business. But from a personal perspective, did I need to be that distracted at that time? No, I didn't. So, yeah, I think it, it taught me a very valuable lesson. Um, and every time I find myself slipping back now, which I have done recently, I will admit, because I think this last lockdown has hit me a bit harder with that. I have to give myself a really strong talking to and say, right, just go and get in the bath at you know, eight o'clock. Go and do that instead. Or watch a new program with my teenage son or 
go and you know go for a walk at lunchtime or something yeah something yeah. anything to distract myself from falling down that hole again so yeah it's a it's a very tricky one but yeah so how, in your experience both of you how can people best recognize that they may have a problem that needs kind of some alternative action to the one that they're taking i mean one of the very simple things i've done for my children is set up alerts for how long they've been spending on their phone each day and they have to tell me and we have to have a conversation about it Mm. and not every day you know it's not a big massive conversation but uh, look if you spent three hours on there today what have you been doing have you actually done anything useful if you've been on there having a lovely chat on Zoom with a friend, that's fine. But if you've been on there scrolling through posts that make you feel like you need to be bigger, stronger, faster, more beautiful, more handsome, whatever it is, then that's really dangerous. And I do, I keep both of their social accounts on my phone so I can see exactly what they're doing. And I think it's just, it's knowing when to stop more hours than you should have then move away, turn it off, give yourself a break. Because I think for young people, it's really hard to learn regulation with stuff like that because it is so addictive. It's all built on a reward mechanism. And they're Um, on so many different platforms. I mean, they'll have like four or five different apps open at a time, talking to people, exchange of information, seeing images that, you know, are going to make them feel uncomfortable in a lot of ways, you know, they're just, it's, it's a really, it can be a really toxic environment, especially, I think, for the younger ones. Yeah, and it's it, they're, all the platforms, aren't they? They're competing with each other for your attention. And, and that's yeah. a challenge for young people anyway to hold attention with just one thing and just be, create a stillness for themselves. They find that really difficult. And we wonder why, you know, children are feeling more anxious or have those mental health issues because we're setting them up with this need to need to compare when actually they really don't need to. It, it fuels that, I, I think, anyway. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you only have to see a few influencers online when you're that yeah. age who have got this amazing lifestyle and are offline to to Dubai, terrible to use that as an example at the moment, but you know, but to see that kind of lifestyle that those people have attained mm. through merely being on social media, yeah. I think is a is a big burden to give mm. kids of any age. Yeah, definitely. And you, you know, you could, you only have to ask them, oh, what would you like to be? And you know, they could turn around and go, I want to be a YouTuber. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, isn't it how things have shifted when we're seeing our children watch other children or other people play Mm. to learn how to play? It seems Mm. crazy, doesn't it? I think like there's two kind of issues with this. And I think the first one is actually recognition within adults that they've Mm. they've got a problem. Right. Because Mm. I know I have a problem. I know it because of the work that I've done on myself, on the research that I've done. So I'll say I'm a yoga teacher as well. So I have done all that kind of work about stepping inside, be, you know, stepping outside, being the witness, you know, kind of like observing yourself. But I've also done recently, well, basically since I watched The Social Dilemma mm-hmm. on Netflix, I've done a, a wellbeing course. So I'm now a qualified wellbeing coach and um, also a cognitive behavioral therapy training, right? So mm-hmm. all of this stuff I've done because I want to further my knowledge about my neuroscience and my psyche and how I'm addicted to social media. 
because I've now gone through that process, there's so much information that I know. And I just think you don't know that there's so many people Mm. that don't know this information. There's so many people that don't know that YouTube will automatically and is automatically wired to feed more violent, more, you know, kind of obscene um, kind of content to you because it will automatically serve you the thing with the biggest hits. Mm. And that's the stuff with the biggest hits. You know, people don't know that when you post on social media and you get a like, it gives you a rush of dopamine. Mm. Well, they might know that, but they don't know what dopamine does. Do you know what I mean? They don't know what oxytocin does. You know, they don't understand fight or flight reflexes and and all this stuff. And I think people need the education in what happens neuroscience wise in the brain. Mm. And secondly, once they've got that information, they then need to realise, actually, I've got a problem because I could say that probably most adults are addicted to social media. My husband in the room, you know, next door, he won't think he is, but he is, Mm. you know, like based on what addiction is. And then secondly, it's about educating children from the parents, but also uh, from the teachers. I personally think that um, social media awareness uh, needs to be part of the curriculum, you know, now. Uh, so not just cyberbullying, and, and which I know obviously they'll talk about in schools. And that is a massive thing and shouldn't be overlooked. But actually, it's the psychology and it's about making people understand you know, that it's, it's not healthy. And I was thinking to myself, you know, again, when I go back to thinking about uh, smoking, when I was on my run this morning, I was thinking about what I was kind of going to, going to say. And I was thinking, I still crave cigarettes, right? I haven't smoked for 11 years and it will be a summer afternoon and I'll have been drinking my beer in the garden, you know, and back in the day when I used to see people, um, and (laughs) I'd get a waft of cigarette smell and I'd be like, Oh, could murder a cigarette right now. Mm. But then I'm thinking in my head, I'm not going to because it's a dirty habit and it will kill me. And I know it will. So I can say that, right? But then I'm thinking, but no one's proved that social media can kill you. Mm. And then I was like, but they have. People have committed suicide, you know? So it's the same thing. We have to learn that, do you know what I mean? Like, it's just as bad, but I think it's education. People people don't know this Mm. yet. And because it's so new, the same when they introduce a new vaccine or a new pill or anything it's not been tried and tested and we're only just discovering this I really agree I mean my my son did um, a workshop as soon as he started secondary school on what social media was actually all about and how it works and what it was meant to do and you know it did um, he went from being a very heavy user to being a medium user but with a lot more knowledge as to why people were posting the things that they were he you know why the adverts that were appearing were appearing and and what they people were getting from him as well because he never realized that it was such a reciprocal relationship yeah you know there is something that someone wants from you it's not just that they're happily post you know there are people who are happily posting their family pictures but most people on there Mm. want something even if it's just for you to say what a wonderful picture and how how lovely you all look mm. um, and it was such a it was a real eye-opener that they needed to do that to 11 year olds for me I think at the time it was a year or so ago. but I was really like oh gosh I just hadn't hadn't thought that they would be so that so many of them would be so inured in it that they would need that kind of workshop it really yeah. surprised yeah, me it's such a unique physically as well because it's not just psychologically it's it's physically what it's going to do to our anatomy so you know I got an RSI um in my shoulder and do you know how I got it from basically holding my mobile phone and doing too much scrolling but not only that my shoulder then got so bad 
the pec muscle got so tight um, I'm hypermobile anyway which doesn't help got so bad basically that I then kind of had loads of issues it was really really bad anyway long story short I ended up having quite a bit of a health scare that led to me having quite a few scans and the doctors and this is the doctor's official diagnosis I'm not lying here I'm 35 years old and I have the onset of osteoarthritis in my shoulder. And the diagnosis is too much mobile phone scrolling and then also too much frontal weight bearing in the arms uh, from yoga, which is quite common. It's actually quite a common uh, injury for yoga teachers as well. So add those together. But he did actually say this, you know, the specialist at the hospital, too much scrolling because you're scrolling constantly like that. So the sun is moving and it's this one muscle that goes all the way up to your pec. And kids... I always like to think of it as like, you know, the evolution of man where you've got the monkey and then he goes up to the human. Well, now we're going back to the monkey. You put a mobile phone in someone's hand and we're going back to that rounded spine. You know, my right shoulder sits higher than my left. I mean, obviously this is a podcast, but you're seeing me on Zoom. You can probably see that. Yeah. You know, and that's going to happen with kids. Their bodies are still growing. I was already grown when a mobile phone got put in my hand. You know, they're still evolving. Like, And And I think it's so important that... People recognise there's a there's a physical manifestation of the mental load that goes on. You carrying that in your shoulder, it's that mental burden too of God, this totally. is really stressing me out actually. Yeah. And you feel it in your body. Yeah. yeah. There's a brilliant book called The Body Keeps yeah, Score. Body keeps the score. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, love one. I was going to say it, but I thought, no, that would just be a cliche. I won't do it. <laughs> so thanks, Emily. You took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> oh, so it was, it's been really enlightening and really lovely to talk to you and have an open discussion because it must be, it must be so difficult to detach yourself from that world knowing what you know about it at the same time so I I have nothing but admiration and your rules around how you manage that you know you just got to keep keep with those if they're serving you well yeah I think it's you know I think as well it's influencing clients to use more interactive opportunities as well to utilize things like podcasts to utilize things like IGTV and reels and you know (sighs) I talk to people about just making that connection with a customer. Mm. You know, if you if you're a small business, you want to make a connection with someone, make it worthwhile and make it valuable. Don't mm. do it if you can't. If you can't do it and make it valuable, don't don't do it. Mm. Because I think unless you're really giving somebody that that sense of purpose and enrichment by doing it, and you know, that's not possible every single time, let's be honest. But unless your overall hope is that that's what you're going to achieve. And don't even start it because it's it's obvious when you look at certain places where people haven't made any kind of effort to make it anything other than just a sales platform and they don't want to talk to you they just want to talk at you Mm. Um, yeah yeah so thank you so much to both of you tell us where we can find you both for some social media help Go on, Kate. Off you go. Um, so I, well, I, I'm at the moment. I'm, I'm, I'm fully booked up at the moment. Oh, but that's uh, good. I work across um, only because I work across a, a lot of different industries. So I work mm. across fashion, health and well-being, and food. Um, and I'm ghostwriting a book for a client at the moment. So that's kind of taking quite a lot of my time. But if anybody ever wants to find me, uh, I am on LinkedIn. Um, I'm easy to find. I'm just Kate Saunders Morgan. And yes, I love to help people just create their a story. And you know. 
enrich their, their own story and you know find their their own way for their brand um a lot of it's branding you know i love being in a brand and finding out lots about it in fact i know Vidya and i met through nourish which is yeah. my my oh. favorite local <laughs> brand um and i do a lot of work with them and i really you know it's a it's just giving it's a lovely story and i think you know it's mm. things like that and you really love helping people tell their stories but i love the storyteller link emily i think it's it's brilliant yeah, yeah. And how about you, Emily? Um, so, uh, unsurprisingly, you can find me on social media <laughs> <laughs> after all of that. Let's, let's have um, a little joke about that because it was a it was a heavy conversation. Come on, we can have a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you can find me on social media. So my well, my marketing uh, brand is Empower Media, um, but my my Instagram is Emily Empower. Um, I did have multiple different platforms, but I've just put them all on one because I can't even be bothered to manage all different yoga and marketing and whatever. So it's Empower Media, but I, I'm also in the process, something that I started last year, which is a bit of a passion project, which is why I loved coming on and speaking about this today. Mm-hmm. But I'm starting up a, a business called Empower Digital Wellbeing, which is actually my goal is to go into schools and speak to teachers and parents and educate them on you know, kind of what social media is, what it does, you know, what the impacts are. Um, and, and not just kids, for parents and adults too, because I know there's a lot of people out there that don't know. So yeah, so again, so my name is Emily Davis. And uh, um, yeah, and just empower, look for the lightning bolt, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much, both of you, for coming on and, Thank you. and chatting so interestingly. It was so good to learn from Kate and Emily's personal experiences today. I guess what we've learned from listening to them is to take a break when you feel you need it. Don't be afraid to ask yourself those honest questions when you're spending time on social media. Is it to engage? Is it to socialise? Is it to distract? And for all of those, ask yourself the important question, is it serving you well? The choices we make are always our own. You don't have to be in a social dilemma. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Choices Podcast. Please like, subscribe and don't forget to leave me a review. If you have a topic in mind that you'd like me to include in future episodes, please drop me an email to choices at vividoutcomes.co.uk and if you'd like help with anything that I've discussed today or you'd simply like to know what I'm up to when I'm not podcasting, then head over to my website vividoutcomes.co.uk. I'll catch you next week.